So let's pray together, particularly around the word. Lord, we just choose right now to um, get our attention aligned as best as we can to your word and receiving your word. We ask that as we look at your scriptures, that it is you, by your spirit, who is speaking to every single one of us. Lord, we consider it being pointless for us to be here this morning if we don't at least choose to participate in receiving your word. And so we open our ears to you. We open our heart to you. And then we relinquish control over to you to pray by your spirit that it is you who illuminates the word. That for every single one of us, whatever our individual circumstances, you can speak right into the very fabric of that. And so we open that to you and we offer it to you. And we pray that whatever scripture we look at, we ask that it is received by us. So challenge us, Lord God. Bring truth to us today, Lord God. And do what only you can do, that we might be renewed and transformed from the inside out. And we commit this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. And so we're in a series right now, which we are centering in on the concept of generosity. Generosity is a a pivotal practice, a pivotal principle for you and I to live by. Generosity really is going to be a key ingredient that shapes the future of our church, shapes the future of our community in a localized sense. We're starting to ask the question, what does our church look like in five years' time? And when you start to consider that question, when you lift your eyes and you get in the time-traveling mode and head five years down the track, what does it look like? And, and I know that there would be so many varying pictures of what that looks like, and I love all of them. I, I love uh, the pictures that have already been depicted around what the space could look like and the potential of it. I, I love... the the more kind of softer skill aspects of what our community could look like from its character and its authenticity in community and its, its impact in our social area. All of those things, we have eyes to see for them, faith for them. But when we start to come back and consider what is going to be required of us in order to walk that journey towards the desired future, generosity, comes up time and time again. Matthew chapter 5 is a passage of scripture that we are kind of anchoring ourselves on. And this comes from uh, the most famous public preach, if you want to say, from Jesus. Uh, It's the Beatitudes or Sermon on the Mount. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God. This generous Father in heaven. And so when I think about that passage, particularly the the impact of living generously, that our generous lives will prompt others to open their life to God. We've got to keep that motivation central. We want to become a church that is a house of salvation. We want to become a church that is a house of salvation. And I can say that to us. I can dictate that to us. We could even write it on the walls around us. But unless you and I actually receive some of a revelation and urgency around that, all it will be is just a cool slogan or 
or writing on the wall. And my hope and my prayer, and I know at the end of the day, it's ultimately by God's spirit for every single one of us. It's not because of, of my oratory skills or motivation ability. At the end of the day, it comes by way of the spirit of God actually settling something within you. My hope and my prayer is that we all take on that desire, that we would become a church that is a house of salvation. I mean, just think about it for a second. How amazing would it be that we would be confident enough to extend invitations to people whom we dearly love, friends who are close, family members who are in our world, uh, perhaps even the odd stranger from the local barista to a local pe petrol attendant, whoever it might be, that we would invite people to be in our environment. And our environment was such of faith and authenticity and the presence of God that we would see constantly, week in and week out, lives receiving the gift of salvation. I'm believing for your life, for your world, for your friends, for your family, for my friends, for my family. There's, there's hardly a weekend that goes by that I don't send an invitation to somebody. Be generous with your lives. You'll prompt others to open up their life to God. So we're talking about generosity. Let's just kind of have a, a slight recap uh, around generosity. Um, what have we established so far? This is a good thing if you haven't been around a little while. Generosity. Essentially, generosity is about giving. By definition, generosity is about giving, but it's not just giving in the minimum sense. It's about giving abundantly. That is what generosity is, and particularly how the Bible frames what generosity is. It is giving, and it is giving abundantly. We also touched on that generosity is good for you. It's good for me. Generosity or being generous, giving and giving abundantly is actually, literally good for you. It's good for your health. It's good for your soul. It's good for your well-being. It is sociological, scientific fact that being generous is good for you. And if it is good for you, it is good for us. So when you are generous, it is good for you. And when you are generous, it is good for us. Our church, our community, who we are, who we are becoming, it is only but a good thing if you and I choose to be generous. And if it's good for us, we believe wholeheartedly that it'll be good for society. Because everything in society comes at us in such a way that it actually causes us to be closed, to be defensive, to be in survival mode, other than to live open and to live generous. Because that is the posture of generosity. It's open-handed, it's open-armed, it's open-hearted, it is wholehearted. And there is so much that comes at us in the world that will cause us to close. Even to the point where we no longer want to be generous because of harm that has come at us, uh, because of skepticism that we live by, uh, because of uh, experiences that we've navigated. But the Word of God calls us time and time again to be generous. We looked at how Generosity actually begins in God. That's where generosity begins. 
We, we can talk about generosity. Uh, we can be inspired by generosity. And then we can fall into the trap of thinking that we in our own strength can just miraculously be generous constantly. But we're setting ourselves up for frustration or condemnation when ultimately we have to realize that generosity begins in God. God is generous. And God is love. And that was a key thing that we touched on. Because the love of God is where generosity comes from. That God so loves that he gives. That God loves every single one of us right now. And so in his love, he has no intention to withhold good from us. You see, the way that we see God, the way that we believe of God, it determines so much of how we outwork our lives. It frames how we interact with the world and people around us. If we believe God to be distant and disconnected and angry, it, it affects the way that we then portray and mirror that into the world in which we live. And if we believe God to be stingy, then why would we choose to be generous? So it actually begins in Him. It begins how we see Him, how we believe Him to be, and do we genuinely believe that He is generous towards us? He is love and He is generous. He gives abundantly. Now, God is the limitless resource. And He gives to empower us that we might mirror his generosity. That we would reflect his grace. So when we start to hear things like there is not enough, what that does within us, it, it causes us to accumulate. Because we go into defensive mode. Because at the end of the day, we all carry ego and pride. And for most of us, me, not me, but you, me, is the most important person. And so I'm going to look out for me. And I'm going to have me as my main interest. And I'm going to gather to myself because there's not enough. I need to ensure I get mine. But you know, if you start to look at it, there is more than enough that currently exists in our world in everything. There is more than enough food that gets produced for those that live in hunger. There's more than enough wealth, we know that, that exists for all of the world. There's more than enough land. There's more than enough resource. There is more than enough. So we have to keep reminding ourselves, particularly in God, there is more than enough. He is able. He is the one who provides. He is the limitless resource. So if there is more than enough, what's the problem? Like why in our world of overproduction, because we all know if we just looked at our own individual lives, maybe not for everyone in the room, but I would say the majority of us, how much stuff are we throwing away? From food to material stuff to things that just go to waste. And then you start to compound that across the more Western developed world. The issue is not production because we produce more than enough. So what is the issue? Like what is the problem? There is a minister that I have received teaching from, listened to, followed. Uh, he's a funny chap. 
His name's J. John. He uses this quote often in talking about the problem with humanity because there must be a problem, right? He says at the heart of the human problem is the problem with the human heart. At the heart of the human problem is the problem with the human heart. The condition of the human heart goes so far towards the way in which you and I express the heart of God. And so in this world where actually there is more than enough, perhaps this principle of generosity is about speaking to our hearts. Because that's ultimately what God desires. He ultimately desires an open and connected heart. Not a performance, nor obligation in his relational dynamic with us. He just wants an open, connected heart. Because that's what God works best with. He is the one that is able to perform open heart surgery that works within us, that shapes who we are, not just what we do, but from who we are impacts what we do. And so we want to keep connecting our heart to God and to live by generosity, with generosity, to talk about generosity. We need to constantly see it as a way of it being something that works on our heart. So we can only be generous with what we have. We can't be generous with what we don't have. You can't borrow to be generous. Because in essence, to be generous is to take what you have and extend it towards others. And so even in talking about generosity, please don't feel under any compulsion or condemnation because the word should never be condemning. It should always be convicting. And sometimes there's a fine line between deciphering is this condemnation or is this actually a conviction that is kind of bubbling within me to walk out these ways of God. But it is always to bring conviction around how to live my life. And so we don't want to feel like this is now putting a heavy burden on us because everything of what Christ came to do was to liberate our lives and to bring freedom into our lives. And this generosity is simply an expression of that freedom because it speaks about giving liberally. So what do we have? You have to ask yourself the question. What do I currently have that allows me the opportunity to be generous, to give and to give liberally? And so we can use a little bit of alliteration. We have time, we have treasure, and we have talent. Let's just talk about those three broad things. All of us have that right now. Now, in comparing it to somebody else, you might not feel like you have a lot. But forget the comparison of others. Because actually, generosity and what we have is all relative to you. And at the end of the day, it's only what you choose to do with what you have, not what others are choosing to do with what they have. And so we can only be generous with what we have, but let's be generous with what we have. We have time, we have talent, we have treasure. How liberal are we with giving what we have? I want to go to a, an interesting passage of scripture when it comes to wealth and generosity and how we actually define that 
when it comes to our treasure. Mark chapter 12 is where we're going to go. Mark 12, verse 41. Uh, Jesus sat down opposite the place. He's in the temple. He's in the church gathering. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put, and he watched the crowd putting money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus says, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. How is that possible? Like, is Jesus lying? Because uh, by amount, which is typically how you and I like to assess generosity, and we like to assess it like that because that is how society assesses so much of life. It assesses it based upon quantity. We even do that in the church. It's a constant wrestle of ego and of pride and of self and of how society determines what is important. Typically, it's based on quantity. But here Jesus is saying something very, very interesting, that this poor widow gave more in the temple treasury than those who are rich. By quantity, that is not true. Because the rich people gave a lot. But Jesus, who is God, he sees things differently. And so when we start to look at generosity and understand generosity and, 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 and talk on it, we have to remove the judgment on quantity. And again, come back to what God always looks at, and that is the heart. In the message, uh, Eugene Peterson says it like this, all the others gave what they'll never miss. She gave extravagantly. But she only gave two small coins. She gave extravagantly. Jesus says in verse 44, they gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty. She put in everything. Generosity is not defined by amount, particularly in comparison to somebody else. Because in life, seasons change. Increase comes, decrease comes. We have plenty, we have little. And if we are so quantity-oriented, what starts to happen is our generosity is affected when it should actually stay consistent. Because generosity is all relative to you and what you have. Generosity is not an amount. Jesus looks at the heart of matters more than anything. And when we live generously, may we continue to be open-hearted that God sees and then can work with. That when we choose to live generously, it'll prompt others to open their life to God. Let's pray. And we'll be talking about more of this over the weeks to come. Lord, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is alive, that by your spirit it is active. It's not dead, dormant, just ink on a page or 
digital icons on a screen. It is your truth. It is your breath. It is your life. And so, Lord, for whatever scripture we have looked at this morning, again, I pray by your spirit that it is you who seals and settles it within us and that you bring it to light in our world, Lord. That as we choose to open our lives to you and to be receptive of your generosity, may we grow in your ways of generosity. That, Lord, it could be said of us as it would be said of that poor widow, that we are extravagantly generous. Generous with our time, generous with our talent, and generous with our treasure. And so we offer this to you. By your spirit, work within us that we can grow to be more like you, Jesus.